It's another fine day at Camp Dynasty. I am Counselor Austin, joined by Counselor Colin, and we are talking about week 11 of college football. Week 11, we had uh, some historic performances that at least one we'll be outlining today. And a few new names, a few old names. We've got got a lot to dive into for week 11. We do. And uh, the Heisman race is heating up. And we have several Heisman candidates on the show today as well. So a lot of layers to our week 11 process this week. Yeah, definitely. I may have named a badge ooh, in honor of the ooh, award. Ooh. We'll see. Okay, well, maybe uh, maybe we're starting with that badge. Are, are we starting with that badge? We're starting with that badge. Well, there's the segue. Take it away for week 11. First up, we've got a name that's not new to the program, but a name that's new to the badge board, and that is Jaden Daniels, quarterback from LSU. So... We talked about Jaden a bit in the preseason when we did the quarterbacks episode, kind of, you know, threw him in like, yeah, we don't really know what's going to happen here. He puts up good numbers, but we don't love him as a prospect. We'll see what he does this coming year. And now it's this coming year, and he has already eclipsed all of those numbers that he put up last year. He has doubled the touchdowns, the same amount of interceptions, uh, he already has 200 more passing yards, and uh, this week, the week that we are talking about, he had 372 yards through the air, three touchdowns on 17 completions, which is good for 14 yards per completion. And he had 12 carries for 234 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. So that is the historic day that I was outlining at the top of the show. Uh, Numbers that we haven't seen before when it comes to passing yards and rushing yards in a game. So what do we think about Jaden Daniels? He's getting the Heisman badge from me because he has been putting up these, I mean, ridiculous gaudy numbers throughout the entire season. And this was just kind of a feather in the cap for Jaden Daniels. Florida's defense was allergic to tackling in this game. Like, I, I don't think I – like, Jane Daniels didn't have to, like, break a tackle to get to over 200 rushing yards, which is pretty good. Uh, but, I mean, man, he is really fast. He has good touch. I mean, he's an interesting prospect, and he has obviously improved from last year to this year. I'm just wondering big picture what this is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, there's two there's two sides to this conversation for me. The first side is that Jaden Daniels has absolutely become one of the top quarterbacks in this class, in my opinion. Like, I think this game, this week, solidified what has been a really really impressive season and like culminated into like okay we we're here 
like we are here with Jane Daniels. This is a real NFL quarterback prospect, a real dual threat quarterback with elite rushing upside as well. The other side of the conversation is what you mentioned a little bit, which is the progression of Jaden Daniels. Like, how did we get to this point? Because this was not always the case. In fact, there's plenty of tape to run back of Camp Dynasty from last year where Jaden Daniels was like taking shots, like in an auxiliary fashion when we'd be talking about LSU. And it's like all of a sudden we're talking about Jane Downs because that's really kind of what he was coming into last season. What he was this sort of, you know, he's coming off of the 10 touchdown, 10 interception season at Arizona State. He's transferring into LSU. And you saw him come into this offense. And by the end of last year, LSU looked like one of the better teams in college football. And a lot of that was because of Jane Daniels. But I don't think we gave him that credit at that time. Now you see this season where almost all of their success lies with Jaden Daniels and the receivers that they have. And you've seen that he's an even better player than that stretch run last year. So he has he is one of these classic cases of a quarterback that has improved year over year for an extended period of time. Now we're in year five, and he is a, a real quarterback prospect. So there's always that debate of like, you know, does the older player, you know, just get more familiarized with the system, get to operate at a higher level as an older player or is this something that can translate to the NFL level and right now with this rushing upside I am I'm willing to bet on Jane Daniels at the NFL level and I I think it's going to be a talking point from now all the way until April yeah Jaden Daniels has 918 rushing yards on the season. Um, I, that is more than a guy that we'll talk about later in the program that was in talks for multiple awards at the end of last year. Um, so th- this is a, a certified dual threat quarterback that has absolutely improved his process. Uh, I just want to highlight the the fifth year part of this yeah because he had three nfl players on his team with him in 2019 at arizona state one of them was brandon Ayuk. brandon Ayuk was a senior uh eno benjamin hey was also on that team and then jack jones the cornerback was on that team topical I thought that was a that was an interesting little tidbit that uh Jaden reed was throwing passes to brandon Ayuk as a freshman so it's, lo- it's a long stretch man it's, it's, it's a, a long time world. ago <laughs> but it's he has markedly improved and it could be due to more experience and you know a 24 year old playing against 18 year olds whatever but uh at the end of the day he's a good player and we'll see if it translates but the dual threat stuff the rushing almost always works 
So you, that is going to translate, and then you just got to figure out all of the nuances, which will end up breaking down in the off season when we can get our hands on some real all 22 and see the field the way that uh, NFL players see it. Yeah, and I, I need to watch more of him just as a passer. I like I am not at a point where I'm comfortable commenting on his like strengths and weaknesses yeah. as a passer yet, but I can tell you that in this game against Florida, he was cooking. I mean, yep. he had numerous huge throws in this game, big throws, and then we can go to the the numbers here, and he has got the four big-time throws from PFF in this game, which ties the season high. He's done that three times now this season in one game. Um, and then I, I need to talk about the rushing in this game because – the, the plays, the the two big runs that he had in this game were, like, really special. Like, yeah. really special quarterback rushes because you mentioned that he doesn't have to make a lot of guys miss in this game, but that's in part due to his speed, He's which so is <laughs> just bonkers for a quarterback. But then there is the one move that he makes on that Florida defender when he's like already 30 yards downfield moving at about top speed and he just does a little shimmy and juke to the right and just drops that guy and that's how he finished that run for a touchdown. Like he's got that shake and bake. He's got the speed. He's got all of those tools that you look at and – Man, I saw some crazy stuff on the timeline this weekend after this game, like Lamar Jackson type stuff. That's what I'm saying is a little crazy in my mind right now. <laughs> but uh, that's that is what this sort of performance does. Uh, in the wake of this, we're gonna have a lot of these sorts of takes, and we're gonna find out just exactly where this player belongs come April. And you want to know something that I like about PFF? We, we talk crap about it a lot. We use the, the stats, the advanced stats we like. The thing I love about PFF is that they don't take sacks away from rushing totals. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing college football does. It's a common sense move right there. Yeah, because like I said before that he has 918 rushing yards. That's via ESPN. On PFF, he's credited 1,028. So that's uh, 110 more receiving yards, or receiving yards, rushing yards that he has because they aren't like, oh, yeah, you got sacked. <laughs> Negative rushing yards. That's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. So he, thank he, you. He is the 11th rusher in the nation right now. <sighs> He is That's number good. 11 in the nation. He's, I mean, there's no other quarterback near him right now. So, uh, Hell yeah. All right. Let's talk about another Heisman contender. Marvin Harrison Jr. He's back. <laughs> uh, I don't remember what the record is for badges in one year. If we go back to the history books on this one. I think Charbonnet had five. And I think this is five for Marvin right now. Uh, I'll check while you talk. Okay. 
Well, whatever it is, man, I mean, it's no surprise that this has been a special season for Marvin Harrison Jr. Not only the, you know, the anticipation of what is to come with a player like this, Mr. 101, obviously, but just enjoying this time in college football with a player like this, watching a talent like this enact his will on a week to week basis is really special. And it's, it's something that I have thoroughly enjoyed following along with this season. Uh, This week against Michigan state, seven catches, nine on nine targets, 149 yards and two touchdowns, but Oh wait, we also had one rush for 19 yards and another touchdown. He's getting the hat trick badge from me because this was a three touchdown performance. And if nothing else, it's just allowing him to keep up with Jaden Daniels in this Heisman race. Man, this, I, I, I know that we come on here and say this every week. First of all, he got his, he's getting his fifth badge with the hat trick badge that Charbonnet had four. And so this is the, the record for a player. It's only week 11. Oh, hell yeah. So <laughs> special stuff. Well-deserved. Uh, and what's coming in what I think was his best week. And like I said, we might come on here and say that every time. Uh, but man, he, the route running in this game was unbelievable. Like he was putting, he was in one-on-one situations way too frequently. That's what led to seven catches for a buck 49, two touchdowns. His, one touchdown he had the little stop and go he dropped the hips and the the db if the db had like he was a little less flexible he would have fallen he caught himself but he did a a move for a second where he had to catch himself and then his second receiving touchdown just one-on-one in the red zone in the slot what are we doing yeah the guy, I think the guy's number was in the forties too. <laughs> it like, didn't seem great all the way around. I mean, yeah, hasn't been a great year for Michigan State. I mean, you leave this guy one on one. That's yeah, you got a little, you got some problems over there. Let's just say that. But I mean, it, it it's one of those things where like we don't we we all understand what this player is at this point i think like and he proves it every single week like it's not hard to notice what is going on right now but just like you said man it's like every week you kind of come here and say you know i think this was his best week no no okay this was his best week he keeps getting better through this season. I mean, we talk about go all the way back to week one when it was like, Oh my God, McCord and this offense is falling apart. And just to to watch him overcome all of that, overcome whatever's going on, help this team get to number one rank. I mean, he's going to surpass his, his most likely will surpass his numbers from last year coming up here. We're already up to 12 touchdowns this year. I mean, 
And then you see it on a week to week basis in a game like this, where it's the route running, like you said, what, and, and all sorts of routes, like you get the little red zone, the little short stuff makes them look silly. You get the deep stuff downfield where he's got five yards of separation on guys. And then you got the, the touchdown, the, the contested catch in the corner of the end zone, making it look easy again. I mean, everything is always on display on a week-to-week basis with Marvin. And that level of consistency in all of these areas is exactly why he is going to be a top five, at least, draft pick in the NFL. I just, I know that the the second touchdown he had, or I guess the third touchdown he had, on the red zone slant is going to be happening on Sunday. Yeah. I could just picture it. <laughs> it's like that is exactly what he'll be doing when he's putting up points for your fantasy team someday. Yep. All right. Got a couple of Heisman contenders out of the way. Uh, don't think the Heisman is in the cards for our next player, but he's a damn good player, and he's getting his third badge of the year. Yeah, Devin Neal is one of my favorite running backs to watch. He's a riser uh, through this season for sure out of Kansas, and he's getting the glider badge for this game. Played Texas Tech, uh, had 19 carries, 137 yards, and a touchdown. He also had two catches for 12 yards, but he (laughs) – so – their quarterback got hurt in this game. Their starting quarterback, their backup comes in, who is a freshman, and they were down three. It was third and goal with 30 seconds left, and they had run Wildcat a fair amount of times in this game because, you know, freshman quarterback, whatever. And Devin Neal threw <laughs> the what would have been the game-winning touchdown, and I was like, hey, it was incomplete. But I love that they 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 put the ball in his hands to throw a touchdown pass in a game winning situation. That's sick. Uh, but the rest of the game was also sick for Devin Neal because he has been a very efficient player this year with the ball in his hands. He, uh, I mean his his big run. He had a the sixty yard touchdown run in this game where he did something that I mean. He didn't lose any speed on a juke, and he made, like, two guys miss and kind of, like, split them and then just kept going full speed and beat everybody else to the end zone. And I didn't understand it. I texted you when I saw it. I was like, what (laughs) is this? Is this a a possible thing to do? And uh, Devin Neal has just been – he's a nice, elusive player that – can do dirty work and like will put his head down and you know make it happen get a few extra yards which i love so uh i want him to get worked in the the passing game more because at the beginning of the season it seemed like he was getting some more uh some more receptions where he could make something happen now it's a lot of dump offs so i i just really like Devin neal yeah i mean okay so here's the thing i saw somebody on Twitter this week being oh. like, Oh man, Devin Neal. He's so good. Uh, it can't, he's going to be so good for Kansas next year. And I'm like, 
man, we might be reaching a point where he's not going to be at Kansas next year because, <laughs> I mean, he is a junior, but like you've said all year, I mean, it, he's having a great year. He's showing so much ability, so much elusiveness at, at his size. I mean, this is not a small player. He's very elusive. He's very quick, shows off some speed. And the pass game stuff, I mean, yeah, they've kind of like tapered off from that early start that he had, but he's proven that he's an effective pass catcher. Like he's a player that can get involved in the pass game, especially with his skill set as well. So uh, he's a really fun player and I'll be interested to see, I mean, will we get the early declare out of him? This running back class is getting weirder by the second because just when you thought you had some new guys coming in to seize these spots now suddenly one of them Jonathan Brooks from Texas tears his ACL and now that's a question mark so there there's a lot of questions in terms of who are the guys that are going to declare in this class Neil's not a name that is being talked about much but he certainly has the skills to put his name in this draft and be one of the better players uh, in the running back class I found a GPS of Devin Neal from this game from the 60 yard touchdown. And what do we got? So he was going 14 miles per hour, 14.7 to be exact before the juke. He slows down to 14.4 during the juke and then is immediately going 15 miles per hour. <laughs> like when I say he didn't slow down, I mean, it's like unreal. Yeah. The, the fact that he continued to accelerate out of that and he's just such a it's just elusive he's one of your guys man he's one of your guys he's one he i'm i'm yeah i'm putting my banner on on devin yeah one of the my guy banner we're getting there we're we're getting a few of these guys both sides picking out some my guys already hell yeah well i got a my guy but he's no surprise how about Troy Franklin? I'm adopting him as my guy too. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't. I think you uh, you lose a little bit of that uh, my guyness on these players when they become elite talents, and that's <laughs> yeah. exactly what Troy Franklin is becoming, in my opinion. I mean, we've talked about him many times this year, but. It's been a few weeks, and the production really hasn't slowed down or anything. It's just like instead of having 140 yards every week, he's has like 80 or 90. I mean, that's that's what this player is this year. He has been consistently productive, consistently dominant. And in this game against USC, he didn't need a lot of looks to put those numbers on the board. Troy Franklin is getting the efficiency badge for me, a favorite here at the pro on the program, because he only had two receptions this week on three targets, but he also had 147 yards on those two catches. If you're doing math at home, that's good for 73.5 per reception, one of which went for a touchdown. I mean... He is, even when he's not getting 10 targets, he is making his impact felt in huge ways. And Oregon, I mean, looks like a wagon right now. 
they absolutely look like a wagon. The the offensive firepower that Oregon has is impressive. Uh, Bucky Irving and Bo Nix and Troy Franklin, who we're talking about here, who has three badges on this season, now getting his fourth. Uh, so we're talking about records with Marvin Harrison Jr. He's got five. I mean, Troy Franklin's right behind him with four. That's kind of a testament to how the badge process has changed this year also but man franklin is so smooth (laughs) this guy is on like the speed that he has on top of the the crisp route running is uh why he's become one of my favorites also here just the complete package out of a wide receiver and this game this game was was kind of funny just like the the two catches you, you look at the re, the rest of the stat line it looks pretty normal you know normal uh troy franklin day but then it's oh he did it on two catches this time instead of you know like eight so i i just i enjoy watching this oregon offense in general and this usc oregon game it, a lot of fun a lot of fun. I mean, USC, <laughs> for better or for worse, has been involved in a lot of these fun games. Entertaining, yeah. If nothing else, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, not. They're, the defense has has let them down, and I, specifically the play in this game. I mean, the stat line looks great, obviously, but only two catches. Well, the play that really is like, yeah, he's getting a badge this week. Was the first catch which was the touchdown where it's a short post and Troy Franklin catches the ball and he is just gone in the blink of an eye. And the safety number four was catching a lot of flack on social media this weekend for his effort on that play, because I don't know if it was just a plain misread or if he, uh, you know, didn't, adjust for Franklin's speed enough but man he he had this Franklin had this guy turned in all sorts of circles and he had no chance Franklin easily beat him to the end zone despite having about 20 yards on him (laughs) when he caught the ball just I mean scorching speed from a player of this size and uh, yeah, I don't know what four was doing there, but I'll take the highlight for Franklin. That's for sure. Yeah, Max Williams. I apologize, but you you got embarrassed in this in this game. I mean, it, it was like I, I can't remember. I think it was DeAnthony Thomas, the highlight where he's running behind the safety and he just like turns him around <laughs> yeah. three times and then run past him. It it was reminiscent of that where he's just like running behind him and. You know, Williams is trying to slow him down. And then, uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> didn't do that. And Franklin burned him to uh, the, the left side and, and went the rest of the way to the house. So uh, Franklin is looking like he's going to be another one of these either first round or very early second round receivers in the NFL draft and uh, in dynasty drafts too. Yeah. 
the the one thing I will say quick uh, before we move on, just because this is something that is happening as we're not talking about him in the last few weeks, the drops have continued for Franklin. So this is kind of a something to monitor with his game is like this weird kind of hands issue that he's had this year because he was very clean last year, only had two drops on 83 targets, uh, 3%. This year, eight drops on 84 targets, and that is t- about 12%. So something... I'll blame Bo Nix. Yeah, we could blame Bo Nix. I'm, I'm up for that. I don't know if that really... Yeah, yeah. We we can just do it anyway. You know, yeah, that's we, right. We don't need facts to back us up. That's not how sports media works. Did you... Have, have you seen Mark Cuban talking to Skip Bayless about substance in sports media? No. Okay, you should look that up because that's literally what it's about. He's like, you don't say anything. (laughs) (laughs) No, now we're getting exposed. Do we say anything? No. Uh, Anyway, so we're going to talk about Blake Corum. Hey! Who uh, has less rushing yards than Jaden Daniels. That's a number. There's a stat. Yep. Uh, But he had a great game this week against penn state when they really needed it uh did it for harbaugh i don't even want to talk about this the this all right i'm talking about it (laughs) god damn it i'm so irritated by this i i goaded you into it did you see that yeah that was a master class this is why you work in sports media you didn't even have to say anything and i'm already pissed I knew you. I knew you'd have feelings. About it's this. just the like they have clearly. There were two different infractions this year. He's already been suspended. Now we have this, and you still have JJ McCarthy out here like <laughs> tweeting like bet bet yeah. <laughs> oh my God, JJ Gen Z's quarterback. You know, like let talk to me when you're good. All right, that's what I'm gonna say. Like add JJ McCarthy directly. Yeah, I'm gonna add JJ McCarthy. The 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 JJ McCarthy stuff, man. I'm not there. I'm not even close to there. And so that's a different conversation for a different time. But I just want my feelings to be known about JJ McCarthy before it soars into oblivion. Well, JJ McCarthy had a uninspiring day. A Jimmy Garoppolo circa 2019 NFC Championship type of day where he threw the ball like eight times. What you're saying is put him on, put him in the Shanahan offense. I I mean, I'm sure he'd be great. Anybody can do it. Brock <laughs> Purdy can do it. So anybody can do it. But Blake Corum, uh, well, you can put him in the Shanahan about. offense. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he's getting the vintage badge because he had 26 carries. Most in a game this season, so that is most in a game since before he tore his ACL. Also, uh, a buck forty-five and two touchdowns. He had a forty-four-yard run in this game, which is his second longest this game. Uh, his first longest against a real team. Last time was against Bowling Green, so that doesn't really count. And it was just a classic Blake Corum grinded out. Uh, dominate the defense. I mean, Penn State has a nice defense. This is a solid team. And Michigan 
just abuse them in the run game. And Corum was the main proponent of that. He was going between the tackles and just getting four or five yards every single time, falling forward, getting skinny. I mean, everything that we praise about Blake Corum and that we said who he was last year before the injury when we were talking about potential Heisman stuff, that showed up in this game. There was a period in the third and fourth quarter where they did not throw a pass because they could lean on this run game. Like I said, I think J.J. McCarthy had eight total pass attempts in this game. Like, this was a complete dominant game on the ground. And Blake Corum headed that attack. Yeah, this is a good moment in time to kind of do a little bit of a checkup on Blake Corum, just because, like you said, I mean, this was a bit of a vintage performance. The The numbers this year have not been gaudy, which is, you know, why we end up not talking about the player for a while here. But this is a good opportunity to kind of say that this, I mean – in the wake of the torn ACL, you expect things to look different, and certainly they did in terms of the carries that he was receiving. But, I mean, he is also a much different runner this year. He is not the same runner that he was last year, a player that forced 73 missed tackles last year that showed a lot of breakaway ability as well, even in those dirty situations that he was so good at. All of a sudden, you he's got those big chunk plays that come out of those situations. This year has been a little bit dialed back in all of those areas. He's been a little bit less elusive, a little bit less explosive, and it's, you know, it, it it's worth bringing up because of the scenario here where he comes back from this injury he returns to school. He's one year older. We already had some questions about, you know, what is his upside in the NFL? And now we see the performance regressing a little bit. He's going to be a really interesting case of, you know, where does this player land in terms of dynasty running back rankings? Just because I think uh, all of these things kind of working against him, things that we as dynasty players kind of tend to shy away from a little bit they're all kind of coming to a head this season but that all being said this week this performance was a bit of a reminder of what Blake Corm can be when he looks like that player from last season and one that was uh, very highly regarded as a running back prospect so this final stretch here Michigan's going to be playing some really big games important games playoff games We'll get to see where Blake Corum is in this recovery from the ACL injury and uh, thus where we are uh, comfortable ranking him in terms of dynasty. I mean, I think you're you're totally right. It's going to come down to draft capital at the end of the day. And that's the story with running backs. It's where are you going to get drafted, how high are you going to get drafted, and then that, that'll kind of break the tie. Yeah. And this within, one in particular, especially. Yeah. So if he ends up going, you know, late round two, which, I mean, I'm not expecting at this point, but, you know, this is a player that could absolutely have that kind of draft capital, then you start to kind of change the tune a little bit. It's like, okay, well, this is what the NFL thinks of him. 
You're laying in a good situation, but getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. There was a nice vintage performance out of Blake Corum. It's kind of fun to get ahead of ourselves at this oh, point. God. It's, not that, like... it's not that far ahead anymore. <laughs> it's getting closer. I was looking at the schedule today, and I'm like, man, I'm ready to do some uh, positional rankings. I'll tell you oh, what. Oh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait till the, the way too early. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a month away, man. That's like a month away from right now. We'll be doing our, a mock draft, transitioning us into the pre-draft cycle. Way too early mock, better than Christmas? Question mark. I I don't know. I'm not gonna argue. Was <laughs> I looking at plane tickets to Mobile, Alabama today? Yeah, we're here. <laughs> We've made it. <laughs> All right, let's talk about another 2024 camper that is, at this point in time, in my opinion, going pretty high in the NFL draft. That is Brian Thomas Jr the wide receiver from LSU, the other wide receiver from LSU. That is unfortunately what he always gets branded as in these conversations because Malik neighbors is so damn good. And by the way, side note, I forgot to mention this during the Jane Daniels discussion. Malik neighbors had an absolutely insane block on the first Jaden Daniels big run. He blocked two people. (laughs) Yeah, he blocked two guys on that run. So, yes. Stock up. Thank you for mentioning that. I also forgot about it. God, that was good. Stock up on neighbors, if that's even possible at this point. But Brian Thomas Jr., not bad in his own right. This is a player that we talked about earlier in the season, a guy that caught my eye as a 6'4", 205-pound ex-wide receiver that is certainly up my alley. And it's been a little bit up and down the last several weeks. I mean, there's been some really, really lackluster performances mixed in here down the stretch. But this week in this big game against Florida – he had another big game in which he was winning in the way that he wins best, which is down the field. He is getting the rolling in the deep badge. Shout out Adele for the alley-oop on that one. Hell yeah. Six catches on eight targets for 150 yards and two touchdowns this week. That's 25 yards per reception, and that showed up big time on tape because he had multiple uh, routes in this game, just taking the top off the defense, killer release. He had a really, really nice inside release, I believe it was in this game. Just he's a he's a vertical separator. And I don't know at this point in time what other areas of his game are polished or strong, but I can tell you that he's big and he's fast and he knows how to separate down the field and he knows how to score touchdowns. And that's the kind of player that I like quite a bit. Yeah, I like people that score touchdowns too. That is uh... <laughs> hot takes. <laughs> no, I, the one of the touchdowns he had was just kind of funny to watch because we're we're looking at like a seven yard cushion that the corner gives on Brian Thomas, and then he ends up five yards behind him. Yep. It's like what happened? <laughs> like what? What are we doing here? And then on the like little touch pass that he had uh wanted to give a shout out to josh williams running back for lsu walk on 
absolutely crushed a guy on a block. Just wanted to, like, go watch that clip. Go check out 27. Brian Thomas doing a lot of good work there. But Josh Williams, I mean, hell yeah. I'm going to give Brian Kelly some credit this week because this team was blocking their ass off against Florida. Like, this was a really, really inspired effort from this team and a big win. Yeah, but Brian Thomas is somehow always open over the top. And Jaden Daniels throws a really nice deep ball. So it's a really a match made in heaven with him and neighbors and Thomas, who are all really good in the deep passing game. Uh, did, I, I, did you see the numbers comparing Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Malik Neighbors? And Brian Thomas before this week? I did. I'll, I'll list them off. So before week, well, before week 11, but it was their 10th game, uh, both duos had 111 re- receptions. Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson had 1787 receiving yards, 1,787. Malik Neighbors, Brian Thomas, totaling 1,920. Just Jefferson, Jamar Chase, 19 touchdowns. Our 2023 guys, 21 touchdowns. 2024 guys. Jeez. It's okay. It is 2023. It is 2023. They're playing in 2023. So they, they've got them beat by 150 receiving yards, three touchdowns, and this game didn't hurt the separation that they have between the historic duo. What I've learned through all of this is that Malik neighbors is Justin Jefferson and Brian Thomas is Jamar chase. Well, they're better than were you listening? Well, they are better, but I'll, I'll at least I'll, I'll do a little bit of a benefit of the doubt thing and just say they'll be as good as those. Well, two. I guess because Jane Daniels is better than Joe Burrow. So. Right. Obviously he can run. Yeah. Can Burrow exactly. move? No, I never seen him run. Did you watch the first three weeks of the season? <laughs> Definitely can't. No, it's it's all fun to joke, but man, I gotta say these two players from LSU are really good. One of them is elite, as far as I'm concerned, and this one is not too bad in his own right. Brian Thomas yeah. Jr. Remember the name? Yeah, seriously. I mean, the in all reality, they are first and fourth in receiving yards in the SEC for a reason. Like, this is a serious duo. And Brian Thomas is being overshadowed by Malik Neighbors. And Malik Neighbors, I mean, in his own right, like you said, incredible prospect. But Brian Thomas is working his way up. Let's talk about another quarterback from the SEC with rushing ability. Look at all those segues. Uh, so I'm giving the ball of clay award. Ooh, I see where you're going with this to Jalen Milrow. So Milrow has had a very up and down season. He is a interesting player, but I mean, man, he had six touchdowns in this game against Kentucky, uh, two thirty four in the air and, it was just a nice little – it's just 
pleasant to to see Jalen Milrow because he made a, a lot of decent throws in this game. Uh, he also had five rushes for 33 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. So, uh, what what I really appreciated was the touch in this game because we know Milrow can sling it. We know he's got the deep ball. We know he's got the the arm strength. And he had a lot of touch in this game. There was a bunch of tush pushes in this game. You know, it's taken over college football. Uh, the two of his touchdowns came on QB sneaks, which is fraudulent, I understand. But they count for six points in fantasy, I tell you what. you Ask anybody that has Jalen Hurts. They're, they're pretty happy when they're down at the one-yard line. That's free six points. So... Uh, I mean, I, I guess I don't know where I sit on Jalen Milrow in general, but it's games like this that are encouraging. And then there's, you know, many other games that are not as encouraging, but it seems like he has undergrown, underwent a fair amount of growth through this season. It's, he's only a junior. I mean, he's one of the younger quarterbacks that we've talked about. He does not have to come out this year, and he probably won't. I, I don't expect him to, but if he does, it'll be a risk that I'm sure a GM is willing to take, given the track record of uh, mobile quarterbacks and um, you know guys with this kind of arm talent. Yeah, I... I hope that he doesn't come out because I'm very interested to see what another year of development at the college level could look like for Milrow, especially on this Alabama team. I mean, I think this year was a bit of a growing pains year, a transitional period in the program. And even then, I mean, obviously it's Alabama. They're still a good team, but I think, Getting to watch Milrow next year as the no doubt starter, is, you know, on this team, another year in the offense, another year of development behind him. I think he really has something beyond what I would have ever imagined coming into this year because this was a player that you were pretty excited about in from the limited action that we saw of him last year. And I was incredibly skeptical based on mm-hmm. that complete lack of volume and the lack of flash that I saw as a passer from him last year. And to be quite honest, earlier in this season, a lot of those passing issues were present in his game. And that's why it's so shocking that we're sitting here in week 11 and talking about this player in a completely different way because you've seen that development, you've seen that growth happen just over the course of the last couple months. Uh, So that's why it's very exciting to me to think about what could this player look like after another year in this system in college football. And the rushing upside is already phenomenal. So he just, if he develops as a passer, he's a weapon as a runner already. Uh, He could be something really, really special. And if not this year, certainly next year. Yeah, I, I don't, like like I said, I don't expect him to come out this year. I don't really want him to come out this year because it is very unpolished through the air. And frankly, it's not perfect on the ground either. 
Uh, he's not like he, his ball security needs work. He has six picks. He has seven fumbles. Like we, we need to hold on to that ball. We talked about it with Caleb Williams. We can absolutely talk about it with Jalen Milrow. Uh, I, I, I see a player here that can be something and needs to hone in. And I think his skill position players don't help him a ton because this is the least talented Alabama's been across the board in a long time. We talked about that a lot last year with Bryce Young. So Milrow definitely needs some help. Uh, one thing, their O-line is pretty solid. Uh, he's getting over three seconds to throw uh, on average. So that's a plus, but the, there's just – there's tools here that i like with milrow i i want to see him develop one more year uh and i just i'm keeping an eye on him it's the definition of a raw talent absolutely milrow and lottery ticket lottery ticket exactly and our next player the last player of this week is the definite is the opposite the antithesis of young raw <laughs> talent it's a player who's been around for a while and that is cody schrader running back from missouri if you watched college football this weekend or honestly if you've watched mizzou at any point this season you know who this player is. Cody Schrader is having a fantastic season right now. Uh, Just to paint the picture, this season, 1,118 yards, 11 touchdowns, one fumble for Cody Schrader this season. The reason I'm giving a bit of background here is because this badge for me is as much about the player as it is about the story of Cody Schrader because this is just a moment in time that as college football fans, as football fans in general, it's just a really cool thing to appreciate. We started the show by talking about history being made with Jaden Daniels. Cody Schrader made some history himself this week against Tennessee. This week, Schrader became the first SEC player to rush for over 200 yards and receive for over 100 yards in a game. The first SEC player to ever do that. That is an insane stat. There's only 10 players ever across college football have done that. He is the first one in the SEC, the premier conference of the sport. What makes that even more crazy is that this player was an unranked recruit coming out of high school. He ended up at Division II Truman State, where he destroyed Division II competition. He finished his last season at Truman State with 2,074 rushing yards and 24 touchdowns. He led Division II in rushing, and then he walked on at Missouri last year. In his first year at Missouri, he had 739 yards and nine touchdowns in his first season 
against SEC competition. This year has been a completely different story. And all of this is to say I'm giving Cody Schrader the underdog badge because he is the embodiment of an underdog. He is the embodiment of a player that allows us to really relish in how special this game can be sometimes to see a player who wasn't even ranked coming out of high school become a leading rusher in the SEC. Uh, Right now he is seventh in the nation in rushing yards. Now, I'm not just talking about Cody Schrader because it's a fun story either. He might be an older player at this point. I couldn't find his exact age, but I believe he's 24 years old. That's what I saw, and I'm going to just trust the internet because it's never been wrong. Cody Schrader, despite being a 24 or something year old player, he's got some juice, man. He's been four or something. (laughs) He's he's been proving people wrong his entire life. And, and when you watch him, you're like, yeah, what, what happened here? Like what happened that this player ended up playing D two for four years, walked on in the sec and became one of the best running backs in the entire conference. What happened? Because you see it on a play-to-play basis from Cody Schrader. I'm going to throw something out here, and then I'm going to turn it back to you. When I watched this game against Tennessee, 200 rushing yards, incredible performance, what I saw was Blake Corum light. What do you think about that? I don't hate that. I I can definitely see it. He's got the the same kind of shiftiness and he doesn't go down easy and he can pop a big run pretty frequently uh man he he's just a really really sound player just game after game you have faith in giving him the ball uh, three straight 100 plus yard games i mean like you said he was just absolutely dominant in D2 before he walked on to Mizzou. And now he is being that same dominant player here. And it was, I mean, he hasn't really had a bad game in his entire season in this uh, 2023 season. So talk about a guy that might be old, might not. (laughs) (laughs) i think i got that number from like a linkedin page or something like it was the weirdest place to find the 24 popping up but it is it is literally impossible to find i'm really trying and i couldn't do it but he he just is more sudden than i expected the the way he just gets in and out of his cuts the ways that he can just stop just all his momentum on one leg and then just pop to the other side is really impressive. There's not much wasted motion with Schrader. Like it's just a very fundamentally sound running back that has some juice and breaks tackles, does the dirty work and then blows it open every once in a while. So 
on top of the story being fantastic, he is also a fantastic player. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, my God, watch out for Cody Schrader, like, top five dynasty running back. Like, this is one of those points in time where I think the NFL draft kind of creeps in here and you say to yourself, like, yeah, maybe we're not going to care too much about Cody Schrader and dynasty, but I think this player's getting drafted. I think I think Cody Schrader is a, a day three flyer sort of running back at this point. If not, I mean, priority UDFA potentially, but like a player that is going to be around in four NFL teams. I mean, we've seen this time and time again, these guys, these late round running backs, all it takes is one moment in time for them to hit the field. And Schrader has definitely shown he has the ability to play at the next level for sure. Okay. I found something on uh, a website. (laughs) Sounds promising. Uh, Dave Matter of the Mizzou Morning Matters newsletter says that he's 23 as of September 29th, 2023. So that's that's on the University of Missouri Athletics official website. I believe that then. Here we are. So he was 23 at the end of September. All right. So unless he celebrated a birthday since then. I can dig it. He'll be 24 on draft day. You can right. get on board with that. Yeah. You can get a little flyer on, on Schrader if he goes to the right spot. If nothing else, just remember the name and remember that he's a fun player to watch. Hell yeah. All right. Let's talk about the bad news. Wait. Can't talk about Mizzou without mentioning Luther Burden's name. I appreciate that. Yep, good player. Yep, shout out Luther Burden. We'll see you next year, buddy. It's going to be fun. But what's not going to be fun is going to the phones right now because it's time for the call home. And this, Colin, is the first repeat call of 2023. Who are we calling, buddy? Say it. We're calling Rocket Sanders. <laughs> the family of Rocket Sanders. Uh, it's week 11. He's got 194 rushing yards. Uh, you might recognize that as the same total as the end of week 10. Because he played in week 11, had eight carries for zero yards and a fumble. So this year has not been fruitful for Rocket Sanders, who was my RB1 in the preseason. Uh, I expected some big things after a great sophomore season. And we just haven't seen it. I mean, there were some flashes last week against Florida, but I kind of, you know, if you rewind back to the beginning, I talked about how Florida can't tackle. So, you know, yeah, I guess you can copy-paste that and apply that to this as well. Um, outside of that, he hasn't totaled more than 42 yards in a game. Uh, he's also missed uh, five games with injury. 
So there's just a lot of red flags in this junior season for Rocket Sanders. Uh, this game was kind of a, a cherry on top. If you talk about the the nightmare season that it has been, I, we want the running backs to be early declares because you want them to get in early. You want them to be as young as possible because old running backs die fast. You know, they're 26. They have a short shelf life. Once they're 26, we're all done with them. Nobody wants to trade for them. You get a second at best. So you you want them in the league as early as possible. And, I mean, if I were Rocket Sanders' agent or whoever's advising him, I'd be like, hey, man, you got to go back. <laughs> like, you cannot go into the NFL on this sour note. You have 194 rushing yards. You got three games left to play. We're going to have to run this one back. So, I don't know, man. It's disappointing, but here we are. It's incredibly disappointing. I mean, what whatever you thought about the 2022 film, you could not deny the ability that this player had in terms of just being a productive college football runner. Like, he was very fun to watch last year. And this year has been no fun at all. And part of that is, like you said, due to injuries. But even when he's on the field, it just it hasn't clicked. I mean, last week was like, maybe we're going to see something. Maybe this is the return of Rocket Sanders, and then we get the eight carry, zero yards. I mean, he has to go back to school. There's, there's no other way to say it. I mean, nobody – a lot of running backs in this class, we, we've said like, oh, you know, show us something or do this, and then we've had these new guys coming up. All of that noise with this running back class, like it amounts to there being like a group of talented running backs that are available in this class. And right now, Rocket Sanders just doesn't fit into that cluster based on what we've seen – from him this season. So unless something dramatically were to change in the next three weeks, I think this is just a lost season. It's just a lost season for him. He can come back next year, put his name in this, you know, what seems to be a really, really strong running back class, but maybe he'll be a part of that. Maybe we'll see the rocket of old and he can be amongst those top players in the 2025 class. But uh, it's just it's it sucks to see this happen when you you get excited about a player you think one thing about them and then uh, it just goes completely off the rails and that's what we've seen with Rocket. I love that we have the you know the the privilege to start calling people old at twenty two. Mm-hmm. You know, like we're talking about Rocket Sanders and we're like, oh man going to be kind of old next year. Puts it into perspective, doesn't it? And every year that you get older, they they stay the same age. That's what I'm saying cuz now I'm like, mate, wh- hold on a second. I'm talking about 30-year-olds like they're like we're going to check you into the nursing home after this next year <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I'm going to be 30 next year. So, th- what does that say about me? What- I I am going to be checking you into a nursing home <laughs> soon. <laughs> I'm almost out of my running back prime, so <laughs> that was a, that was a big moment for me, and that's like well in the past now. Like when yeah. I crossed well, twenty six, hey, I was Raheem Mostert 
was having his best season before. I mean, you know, well, A Chain might come back and A Chain might come back and steal his job again. But Raheem is is our champion. He is the right. plus thirty the, champion. The old folks. Yeah. You, you just in the nursing home. It's just Raheem Mostert highlights. <laughs> yeah. And like Jerry Rice highlights. <laughs> Same players, different eras. Exactly. All right. We're already talking about the NFL. So why don't we just gather around yeah, let me light this the campfire up. and reminisce on the campers of old on All Grown Up? There are a number of ways that we can go this week, I think, and I have a few thoughts of my own. But once again, I'm going to ask you, who would you like to talk about tonight? Oh, man, there's it's a lot of names that I... Keaton Mitchell. Bingo. Is the, is the one. Bingo. That, that we have to talk about. Uh, somebody that I don't think we talked about at all on Camp Dynasty last year, maybe so, in passing. Uh, so it's funny you say that because I actually did go back a little bit and see if if the name ever came up because not not in like the I want to you know put a sound bite out there where I'm like Keaton Mitchell might be good you know like it's like oh that was a victory like no. It was more so in the sense of like. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have been mad if you did it. <laughs> it was more so just in the sense that I did actually like this player's talent uh, as a as a late round running back, but that never amounts to anything. Like it's it's one thing to say like, oh, I like Keaton Mitchell as a day three running back. And then he doesn't even go. He doesn't even get drafted. And then at that point in time, you're just like, I don't care anymore. Like, if the NFL didn't value his skill set, then I'm not going to care about it. But what you needed to know about Keith Mitchell, you can turn on the film right now. You're going to find out real quick that this player is freaking fast. And that is something that translates no matter what level of football you're playing at. Yeah, and it translates to the NFL pretty well because Keaton Mitchell has been absolutely torching defenses in, I mean, the last two games. Uh, the first game, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, sure, Keaton Mitchell got a big play. What does that mean? And then he comes out and does it again last week, and you can kind of, like, Oh, well, he was the waiver pickup is what it was. You know, he was the big waiver guy. Spend the rest of your fab. You know, it's week 11. We just got to get through this. Um, And, yeah, he did it again. Where he just kind of popped off and had another big gain and scored a touchdown. He's just an electrifying player. He's in this Ravens committee with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. But every time he gets the ball, it just feels different than when the other two get the ball because 
they, I mean, they've been in that Ravens offense for how long? And they have never been able to take over because they don't have what Keaton Mitchell has. And that's, so that, that perfectly leads up to what I want to ask you about Keaton Mitchell is do you believe that this is a running back that the Ravens will prioritize moving forward? Or is this the classic case of if you have Keaton Mitchell, sell Keaton Mitchell at this second in time before it's too late? I I think that he is, uh, like, if you can get something decent for him, get rid of him. Um, it obviously... It's easy to say, like, sell, because that's what we do in a vacuum. But yep. uh, I I would I don't think that the Ravens are ever going to view him as, like, the guy. I mean, he's 5'8", 190. Like, it, it, he's a small player. He has a ton of juice. But that usually lends itself more to a boom-bust fantasy role than... Uh, consistent every down and if you can get like if you can shell them out to a playoff team that's like oh I can add somebody that's productive and young do it that, that's kind of how I would feel because I mean if you're a bad team and you use your waiver priority on Keaton Mitchell and now you can ship them off or whatever well, what, what's the, the the lowest you would sell Keaton Mitchell for is I, I guess like when we're talking draft compensation, I, mean, I know I know it's a, a nebulous. Th- like, if somebody offered me a third, I'd take it. Okay. Like that—that's where I'm at because, like, I simultaneously like Keaton Mitchell as a player, and I also recognize exactly what you just said, which is that he is not the guy. The whole knock on Mitchell was that he was undersized and pretty one-dimensional. His one dimension is what's showing up right now for the Ravens. And I just, I don't believe in the longevity of that. And I mean, let's not forget that he's a UDFA. There's no commitment to this player whatsoever by the team. We've seen this happen time and time again with players that actually were drafted by their teams. This is, to me, the quintessential moment-in-time player where we can capture the excitement of, of folks that think, okay, this is the guy right now, and if I can get a third for him, I'm moving him because I don't see him as a long-term asset, and I think one bad week and his value is gone. Okay, I'm going to do the thing that you do to me. Would you rather have... Keaton Mitchell or Alexander Madison? I mean... (laughs) I I guess at that point I'll take... (laughs) One of them has maybe a a little bit of upside at this point. I don't know. Like... Just give me Keaton. Give me Keaton. All right. That East Adam Carolina Thielen. film, that lives in my mind. What about Adam Thielen? If I'm a contender, yeah. 
to give that, me give me feeling. Tank Bigsby. Oh yeah, easy. Give me Bigsby. Don't even care how bad he's been. Khalil Herbert. Give me Herbert. Okay, so you are way lower than consensus on KTC because next are uh, second round picks. It's twenty twenty six mid second, which I'm assuming you'll take a second. Oh yeah, and then twenty twenty five late second. So you have them about ten slots lower than KTC has them, which like. It, it completely checks out. I mean, like, it, yeah. people are going to overreact to it. That's fine. Like, And I hope I'm wrong, to be honest with you, because he is a really fun player to watch. Like, he is, his game from East Carolina to now is a very fun brand of running back football. I just have very serious doubts that he can ever be the guy for Baltimore. And we've already talked so much about – what if they add Braylon Allen? What if they add one of these power running backs from this draft class? Like that is something that they are, you know, that that's certainly in the carts. We've seen running backs with like day high day three capital get displaced in one year because of this sort of thing. And Keaton Mitchell, I mean, he's been excellent, but I'm not going to be a prisoner of the moment until this becomes like unavoidable. For, for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Who do you got for me? All right. I want to I talk about uh, Jonathan Mingo. This has been a player that I've been wanting to talk about for a few weeks just because he is a player that climbed the boards later in the process, specifically climbed my board quite a bit. I, I really started to like what I saw out of Mingo, despite the fact that he was a raw player coming out of Ole Miss, which is not a, you know, that's not atypical of these Ole Miss players. It's a little bit of athlete and what can we, you know, how do we project them as wide receivers at the next level? Mingo, for me, is a player that is plummeting in terms of dynasty ranking, and he's he's a player that I am still interested in acquiring from any manager that is, like, sick of it. Like, sick of Carolina, sick of Bryce Young, and all of the stuff that's going on there right now. Like, I do still think that Mingo, all things considered, was a raw player, has been dealing with some injuries already thus far in his career and is dealing with this very not ideal situation in Carolina. I still think there's talent there. I'm not saying that, you know, I I, I think I was too high on him. Like, retrospectively, I can say that I was too high on him. But that being said, where his value is at this point in time, in my opinion, is way too low. Uh, right now, he is the 26th ranked rookie in on KTC wide receiver 51 in dynasty. I mean, that's right in terms of the production. Maybe if you look up the list, but I still think the talent is, is there enough where I'd be looking to take a flyer on this player? Yeah. I mean, if you're getting them basically for free, I mean, like you'll have to trade, like a late second early third whatever uh i mean i i don't mind taking a shot on mingo because the only way this offense can go is up that that is the the honest truth about this 
they got to find a way to get him the ball. They don't have very many dynamic playmakers on this offense. Adam Thielen is getting funneled the ball in this offense. That's concerning. He's 31. Mingo should be more involved than he is. And like you said, he was not a very polished player coming out. There were some flaws here, but Carolina liked him enough to take him in the second round. Uh, we liked him a lot in the pre-draft process. There's a lot of physical ability there. Uh, their O-line needs to get better. Bryce needs to get better. The play calling needs to improve. Like, there's a lot wrong in this Carolina offense, and I mean Carolina in general. But I don't think Mingo is one of the things that's wrong with it. Yeah, I, I, I saw a take this weekend that was like, you know, Carolina forced the Mingo pick because they were trying to give Bryce weapons, and I'm like, well, I mean, there were other wide receivers available that I think yeah. were more typically you know thought of as early second round picks it's like i think the talent is fine like i think the spot in the draft like maybe it was a little high but like i still think the talent is fine with a player like mingo but it was developmental he was never supposed to step in and be like the wide receiver one immediately for carolina like that was never supposed to be the case and so i think people are you know just with everything that's happening and uh you know how God, I don't even know how to break down Bryce Young at this point, but everything that's going on there is just, it's not good right now, and it's a good situation to get in on a raw player who can develop as this team and as this situation improves, ideally. But uh, I will say, man, I, I do regret pretty intensely moving jonathan mingo ahead of josh downs in my rookie rankings he didn't get far ahead of him but he got ahead of him and that's one that i wish that i could have back i mean josh downs has been sensational so far this year he like i don't know what happened between the beginning of our draft cycle and when we got to, like, the actual draft season, why we moved him down or anything like that, because he, like, we liked him all year. <laughs> well, uh, well, to be fair, I mean, we didn't move him down all that much compared That's to where true. he was getting drafted. I mean, I, you still had a first-round dynasty grade on him, didn't you? I'm pulling it up right now. I'm pretty sure I did. Like, I think the noise got a little bit louder for some other guys, and Downs kind of faded away, and we stopped, like, standing on top of the hill for Downs a little bit. But, like, it never really manifested in rankings because he was my 15th player in the class in my final big board. I, I I gotta double approve something to get into my account. <laughs> I, I'm losing my mind here. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I had him at uh, ten or eleven. Yeah, I I believe that's yeah ten. But I think he's a with Minshew that it's been a theme that he has been 
really good. Like he's been getting peppered with targets. They throw a ton. They throw a lot of short passes with Minshew. Uh, in this game specifically uh, against New England, he only had two catches, but he had 40 yards. He's making big plays every game. Um, so I just we like this player. I I told people it's like hey. You know, he's, I have him in the first round. I understand if you want to move guys ahead of him. And a lot of people had him, like, late second. I didn't never understood that. Like, he's a shifty slot guy that also has jump ball, contested catch abilities that we haven't really seen yet. So I want to see some of that. And I'm sure Minshew can give him some of those opportunities. But I just can't wait to see what this offense looks like in 2024 when it's, like, fully assembled. And, you know, the the rebuild is nearing completion where we get to see Anthony Richardson hopefully fully healthy with Jonathan Taylor hopefully fully healthy and then this wide receiver room uh, with a year under their belt. Yeah, we will do a 2023 three redraft as we did last year with 2022 even though that those guys were not players that we had receipts on you know like this year we actually have those receipts on these players and we'll have a chance to really dive in talk about you know where we are right now or or at that point in time and then kind of reflect on the process and what did we learn about these players one year in and for downs for me that's why we do this man it's a learning experience every year trust your eyes trust your gut downs was a player that passed all of the tests he passed the eye test he passed everything that you wanted to see he was a player that was the top five wide receiver for us from summer until just about the very end and then you start to let that NFL noise creep in just a little too much. You move him down a little bit, not super far, but just enough where now you have to sit here and say, you know, damn, I uh, I really put Jonathan Mingo ahead of Josh Downs. I never should have done that. And that's 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 how we learn. That's how we learn. So, do you have another name? No, no, I was just you sighing because nice. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's nice. It's a yeah. it's a good learning experience i i like josh downs a lot i mean the rookie class has actually been really nice i'd yeah. say uh the tight ends especially which we talked about a few times i mean just feeling good about camp dynasty me too man I'm reminiscing around the campfire that's that's what that's what it's here for we light the fire we reminisce we get a little emotional potentially i mean it's all it's all part of the process here but i'm having emotion <laughs> That is week 10 of the NFL and week 11 of college football. I'm not going to keep saying the same thing every week, but I do think it is kind of interesting at this point that we are one month away from our second mock draft and the first one that is really informed by a season's worth of tape and production for the 2024 campers. Always an exciting moment kicking off what comes next. We have a few more weeks of college football, but every single week, man, we think a little bit more and more about what this class looks like. And uh, I'm getting very excited 
very excited to start ranking these guys, really grinding some film. There's been a lot of like, we can't know this until film season. We're going to get there pretty quick, and we're going to start to learn real quick what this class looks like. Yeah, you start to see the like well-informed mock drafts start to drop. You know, it's like, oh, is this guy going to be a first rounder? Is that what we're thinking? And then you start to kind of look at them a little differently. And we're starting to get into, I mean, draft season starts earlier and earlier every year. It feels like, and you know, we're starting to get little droplets of draft season to kind of wet the appetite. And I mean, we're going to be coming with it too pretty soon. We sure will, man, not too far away. And if you enjoyed our discussion on week 11 of college football, be sure to find us on X, formerly known as Twitter, at camp underscore dynasty, and TikTok at camp dot dynasty. Uh, also, if you are not watching us on YouTube, go check out the YouTube channel. Video feeds of the pods do go up every week, but as always, like, rate, review, subscribe, follow, all of those things to the Camp Dynasty pod feed, which is still the bread and butter here. Yeah, it is. I love a good bread and butter. Uh, Thanksgiving coming up soon? Coming up real quick. What's your favorite kind of roll? My favorite kind of roll is none of the above. I you pass on the roll. I go double stuffing. Well, you can have <laughs> you can have no nope. roll goes on top of everything. <laughs> nope, we're gonna I'm a keep... King's Hawaiian guy bread king's hawaiian we're good to go i respect it but i don't agree with it oh man (laughs) we will not be having any more of these podcasts (laughs) it's it's over r.i.p not a roll guy sorry about it thanks for stopping by camp dynasty this week we'll see you next week